Hello, and welcome to the Accidental Muralist podcast. My name is Pam Concier. I am your host, founder of this podcast, and of All Hands Art, which you can find online at allhandsart.com. So yesterday, I was asked a question, do you ever doodle in public? And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, The reason I was asked, do you ever doodle in public, is I was leading an online doodling workshop through this organization called Creative Mornings, which I belong to. It's a free free to join um, group of creative entrepreneurs and freelancers from really around the world. There's chapters in cities around the world, um, including here in Portland, in Oakland, and all kinds of places in many continents and the idea of it is to provide a community for creative people who often work alone. So during the pandemic something they offer that got ramped up a lot is are these things they call field trips which are basically just um, members offering to teach a class online to who any whoever wants to come. So I had, I had proposed a month or so ago to teach a class on doodling called Doodle Your Way Out of Stuckness, which, as some of you know, is the name of the book that I wrote about doodling. And um, my proposal was accepted, and I did the background work to make it happen, and then yesterday was the event. So the chat was lively. It was really fun to do. I've, I've been a participant in classes like that that have people from all around the world but I had never taught one and it was really cool to see people chiming in from Ireland and South Africa and um, Mexico and all over it was it was pretty neat so and very enthusiastic and kind people and um, and the questions in the chat were pretty interesting and one of them was do you ever doodle in public (laughs) I loved that question. Um, My answer was yes. And it made me think about the podcast that I did two months ago when we were back in heart school. And the theme was ordinariness. And I was talking and maybe writing also that month about my dream of making art making something that's so common that we're just everybody's doing it all the time and it's not relegated to special after-school programs or um, classes that you have to pay and sign up for as a special treat to yourself once a year Um, it's just like the way we live our lives so do i doodle in public yes when I go, recently I, I was on a little day trip. I actually wrote about or talked about it for different reasons, I think last month. Um, and I brought with me my doodle journal because I, I expected that I would have time that day to sit in a cafe and I was by myself and that's something that I like to do is pull out a journal of some sort. So I did do that. I, I did go to a, like a, brew pub. It was a nice day. I pulled out my doodle journal and I was aware that as I was doodling I was kind of 
hoping that people no would notice and not because I was drawing anything special, but because I do think it's important to bring the act of art making, art practice out in public. And it's one of the things that I loved about making murals. This podcast is called The Accidental Muralist, and I don't talk about mural making all that often, but um, you, can, you can learn more about it in my About page on my website about my, my accidental foray into mural making. But one of the things that I really, really loved about making murals is the public nature of it. And even though I'm a private, introverted person, I really, there was something really special about standing on a ladder with a paintbrush or mosaic supplies in your hand and having people, having the public walk by, just random people walking by, asking questions, people driving by, shouting out the window, looks great, thank you for doing that. And, and just the, the interplay with the public, because by their nature, murals are a very public art form if they're not like inside your house. And so that was one way. I also think there's value in watching the process of art making. And I was doing murals by hand. You know, I wasn't like, um, I know some, sometimes they can be sort of printed and hung. You know, there's different ways and different technologies for making murals, but I was literally like drawing in pencil on the wall and then maybe going over it with Sharpie and then either painting it with a paintbrush or sticking tile pieces on and usually with a lot of volunteers. So um, it took a while. It was sometimes, like at school, sometimes it would take the entire year because we were only working once a week or every other week. So you also got to see the process of this blank wall slowly, gradually over time becoming a, an art piece. <clears throat> and one other thing it made me think of, this question of do you doodle in public, is what I like about um, the pandemic style of my flamenco classes. So I've talked about flamenco a lot here at it's a big part of my life and it comes up a lot. And during the pandemic, as one of the many, many workarounds of figuring out how to keep doing this thing we do um, while we were isolating, we would have some classes in the park. And these were improv classes, so that was a whole other thing. And I'm using past tense even though we're still doing it. but. The improv, it's kind of like you're in a circle and you're taking turns going into the circle to dance. And, um, and many of us are singing also for each other to dance. And it's a whole thing and I will write more about it sometime because it's so juicy with uh, ways that I address and overcome my perfectionism. That's one big thing for me besides just like getting braver. Well, 
those two things are interconnected, being brave and overcoming perfectionism. But I liked doing it in the park because, for one, it feels like sort of a half step toward a performance because, you know, you're out in public. Um, although we were practicing, definitely not performing. But people would walk by and just sort of stumble upon this group of us who were singing and dancing. And some people would kind of stop and watch. They might ask questions. They might just sort of look and then keep walking. But, you know, people were there with their kids playing or walking their dog. And, and they would just come upon this group of people singing and dancing in public. And I think that's pretty cool. And I've, I've seen similar things in my neighborhood park. Recently, there was like a brass band practicing. There was a trombone, and you know, and they they weren't performing. It wasn't like a scheduled thing with an audience. It was just some people who got together, and that's where they had their band practice, I guess. So I want to challenge us to bring our art making out in the open. Um, especially if you have perfectionist tendencies and you, and I, I get it, <laughs> that's totally where I was coming from for a lot of my life, um, where you don't want to show anybody what you've made until you're sure that it's, you know, like not embarrassingly bad and you're going to kind of pre-screen everything and only bring out what you think is your best. But I think there's so much value in just practicing in public and being open with our attempts. And some of them go great and some of them are rough and, you know, maybe we don't end up liking it or, you know, it's not our best work, but we can't always have our best work. Like there's best is meaningless if everything is the best. Um, something's got to be less than best. So. Let's keep practicing in public. And then I wanted, there's this other place that I wanted to go. I've had a conversation recently with a couple people about this idea that popped into my head about balance. This sort of ties into last month's podcast, which was about imagination and how fragile dreams are when they're new and um, frustration that artists and quote-unquote creative people can have from the world where when you put an imaginative idea out in the world, the tendency is for the people who care about you or who you might tell this dream to sometimes will, for your own good or to quote-unquote help, they will want you to um, run the numbers and sort of put it into a rational box where it can be more accepted. So that situation where, like if you're an artist, let's say, a part of your life, if that's what you do for a living, or part of a living, if that's like your main thing, way that you interact with the world, there will be a big part of your life that has to do with either writing grants and finding fiscal partners and and the grant has questions about 
how many people is this going to impact and how long will it take and how how many how many how much how long and you have to put numbers all around it to make it you know so that a grantor will consider it or your you know there's all or it's the proposal it's the contract or whatever so artists who who are trying to bring imagination out into the world are required to wrap their artwork in numbers or to price it or to make multiple copies to sell and package and so this is what we do so it made me think what would that look like if the rest of the world that kind of works in a numbers and data world were required to do the opposite like for example, what if um, every time a doctor at the end of the day when they had their patients' charts that are full of all their vital statistics and you know notes about whatever happened that day, what if they were required each day to sit and paint a watercolor of that patient and try to capture their emotional state and their pain level in a visual <clears throat> that would become part of their medical chart and that was a requirement of their job. <clears throat> Maybe they'd have to have some of their medical training that was that was a painting class or a like emotional awareness class. And I'm not saying that doctors have no emotional awareness, but I don't think that painting is part of their training. Um, let's say there's an engineer who is submitting a proposal for how to improve some building or some new building design. What if part of their job description and what was required as part of that proposal was for them and their team to write a musical and perform it about the impact that that building was going to have on the neighborhood and how it would bring the community together and what what the design of it would inspire for the children who lived nearby and that they could bring all this to life and that writing and performing the musical was a part of their job so maybe they would need to have like acting training or dance training or writing training built into their job and you're probably thinking this sounds crazy and as crazy as it sounds is how far we have come away from a balanced society where because it sounds so crazy to me that just shows um, how lopsided we have become in favor of everything being about numbers and, and statistics and spreadsheets and data and standardized testing and it, you know this is our world and that's what seems quote unquote rational and reasonable and um, but really what we've done is removed as much soul from the world as possible. It's almost like we've been on this mission to remove soul, to put all the soulful things in the after school program instead of in the middle of the school day, to relegate them to like special treats that we give ourselves after all the chores and 
housework are done and even then we feel guilty, you know, spending 10 minutes with some watercolor paints. Um, so I am envisioning, because I think imagination is important and seeing things is important, visualizing them so that someday they might emerge, um, that kind of bringing the artwork into public, not only dancing in the park or doodling in public in cafes, but what would it look like if your work, whatever your work is, had art infused in it, and if that were part of your job requirement, what would that look like? So those are just some thoughts for today, some challenges um, prompted by this great question that I was asked, do you ever doodle in public? So let's go out and doodle in public, and if the things I'm talking about are intriguing to you, but you feel kind of stuck and like um, maybe there's some malaise or like you you kind of want to have more creativity in your life, but you're not sure how, or you have an idea that's pretty specific, but you're you're a little bit bound in fear. I am beginning to offer one-on-one. I guess I'll call it coaching. I've been struggling to come up with the right name, and I don't really think that name is all that important. You can call it what you want. Some things I'm thinking of it as is like courageous life mentoring. Creativity coaching is one one term. Um, dream holding or dream listening, because it is important if you're taking steps towards something that feels very brave and fragile, who you say it to is important. And it's, it's important that it's not squished right out of the gate, because I think that's why more people aren't doing the things that they really would love to do, because at some point in their life, their, their ideas or their little inklings or their creative sparks got squished and snuffed out. So. If you're looking for a safe place to start taking teeny, teeny, tiny steps toward some kind of creative aspiration, that's, that's the offering that I'm making is creative courage coaching. And I'm still working on the language around it for my website, but that doesn't mean that you can't reach out and we can't get started because I already know what it is. I just haven't, you know, come up with the perfect name, but I'm kind of, I think the perfect name is not that important. So you can go to my website and reach out to me there at allhandsart.com. You could email me directly, Pam, at allhandsart.com. And... Until then, um, make those doodles in public, dance in the park, bring out your tuba um, to the front porch, maybe. And I will catch you next time on the Accidental Muralist Podcast. <laughs>